Come on, come on, come on, come on, not And welcome to the final episode of The Doors Dudes, where we're three doors down today with three <laughs> dudes uh, talking about The Doors. Uh, this is The 27 Club, uh, the world's only podcast about the group so exclusive you have to die to get in, hosted by fan club president Pete, treasurer PJ, and new recruit Jake. Hey, Jake. Hey, gang. Welcome Peter, back. we've talked about this. You don't get to say my name. I'm saying your name now. Oh, boy. This is I the new... A... This is... PJ, I'm I'm the number one door now. <laughs> this is the new this normal. This is happening. Yeah, this is the new normal. That's right. Now, we can finally do the 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 three-door dating game thing. Oh, yeah. Finally. We have enough That's people true. on the show. We made that joke a while ago, I think. Well, you made it's... that joke a while ago. I went along mm-hmm. with it, but oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> well, my understanding of this was that right. we were finally going to be talking about that's why God made the radio. So yeah, no, we've we've made it very clear to all of our listeners. <laughs> Look, they have begged, they have mercy. I mean, they're bothering yes. me, and I've I was only on a few episodes, and most they've... of them were bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were. You're famously they have bad. Rented ones. their clothing to shreds. Uh huh. In anticipation of that's why God made the radio, and we've said, no, okay. we're not going to do it. Well, if we're yeah. not talking about that's why God made the radio, what are we talking about? Jake, we're talking about one of your favorite bands of all time, <laughs> okay. The Doors. Oh, fuck. So I PJ is a reformed, PJ is what we call a reformed, a reformed Doors, Doors fan. fan. <laughs> I'm what we call a new a, Doors fan. A new Doors listener, <laughs> and Jake... And Jake is, I, I would say I'm a cautious fan. <laughs> and Jake is what we call a Doors fan. Oh, I love him. Truly just obsessed with this group. A bit of a door head. Uh, in every way, shape, or form. Yeah. I'm a yeah. door jam. So Jake, that's what they, we call ourselves, the door jams. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I thought that's what they called it whenever they played one of those fucking 12-minute songs that nobody wants to listen oh, to. Oh, I love those. And the guy just talks. <laughs> so the much guy. fun. <laughs> the guy. <laughs> Um, you know, Jake, this came up on last week's episode. Peter and I were going to try to ask you, you told me one time, you know how to find naked ladies on the internet. And we just don't know how. I don't believe I've ever said that. Yeah, this is, this is up top on the show. The very first thing we have to talk about. We have to talk about. We have to introduce ourselves. And then we have to say, we're having a lot of trouble finding naked ladies on the Mm -hmm. internet. And can you please help us? We ask every guest. Well, no, last week we specifically said we would ask Jake because he told us he knows how. He tried to tell us about his favorite video one time. Well, what you want to do, and this is important, so I would like to see pads of paper and pencils out. But okay. uh, you want to go to Google Videos because you can delete your search mm. history easier on there. Gotcha. And cool. You uh, you want to like look right up, now? Should I be yeah, doing do this, this right, right now? now and uh, look okay. up hot girl strips for you, and you will watch. <laughs> it's gonna start, and you're like, hell yeah, dude! This is like a black screen, and then a little bit of, of it's gonna come down. And you're gonna see a girl's face. And you're going to be like, this is really good stuff. And then a little more of the black is going to come down. And you're going to see, like, the top of her her shoulders. And okay. you're going to love it. Um, and then... I, it's, I'm already loving it. And then it. I'm it's the going idea, to uh, start fading where you would be able to see parts of her that you're usually not allowed to see in polite company. But at that the moment, at butts. that moment, there will be a jump scare of a scary clown, and you will fall <laughs> backwards out of your chair, and your headphones will pop out of the computer, and you will hear the scary clown noises. 
Um, that sounds awesome. That's, yeah. That's not a thing that happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of the parts you're not allowed to see, did I ever tell either of you the amazing thing when Shelby and I were on our honeymoon on the drive from the airport to the hotel we were staying at? We passed a strip club. <laughs> nice. First off. That had that had the what the fuck do you call it with the little sign with the letters? I don't know. Marquee. But. Yes, on their like marquee underneath the billboard for the strip club, it said "boobies and booties galore." Oh, that is some good stuff, man. <laughs> That's what you want to see at a strip and I club. Really, yeah, exactly. It could not. Yeah, That's it just could not have honestly. It that's what happy. I like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> galore. <laughs> well, so Jake, I would like to start with first of all. Welcome back to the show, oh, thank friend. You. I'm you're so one of happy our to be here. you're one of our greatest guests. You're one of our most requested guests. We get emails almost daily asking when is Jake going to be back uh-huh. on the show. The fact that those um, come from jakeiverson57 at gmail.com is just a coincidence. Most of them do. Yeah, mm. yeah most of them do. Should I give um, my email on the show? That seems yeah. Like a here's bad the thing: idea. I'm not going to bleep that. So <laughs> yeah, we give ours. Fine. Yeah. Who cares? We give ours, and then we also give people the password in case they have to, <laughs> in case they don't. <laughs> In case they can't figure out how to send us an email, they can just log in and leave it as a draft. That's, yeah. that's sweet. So Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's um, beachboysboys at gmail.com. Yeah, I want to ask Jake, I would just like to know, first of all, it's this is a, a three-part question. We would like to know your history and knowledge of the tw- and opinion of the 27 Club, your history and knowledge and opinion of The Doors, and also Jim Morrison. Um, Jim Morrison well, is who you refer to as that guy. That guy earlier, yeah, right? Yeah. Yes, in case you weren't sure. Yeah. <laughs> I believe I called him. You have the ten guy. minutes. Uh, start the clock. Uh, so the Twenty Seven Club. What I like about it is it's a club that is so so exclusive, exclusive that people to are to dying in. to get in. Okay, so that's just something that I've noticed. Um, I've heard that. Yeah. Um, Harry Styles not dying to get in. No, not he's, he was not that much. Is of he twenty seven yet? He just turned 28. We oh, were thinking Harry God. Styles because we realized God. we realized Malone. every member of the 27 Club has a huge head and a tiny little butt. That's and true. so we thought he should be next. Think, but then he turned 28 in like January. So I believe. Sadly, let's see. Phoebe Bridgers is still 27, so she's still out there. Wow. Um, All right. That's a scary thing. Does she have a big head and a tiny little butt? No. She's got kind of a tiny she's, little mm, head. She's just tiny all around. She's like pocket size. I think that still counts. Yeah. I think Janice Joplin was that way too. Probably. So. Um, that works. I'm calling Post Malone, Jake. I don't know if you heard me yell it a moment ago. Mm. You think mm. he's dead? I think he's going to die soon. Hmm. Have you seen him recently? Not looking good. <laughs> I yeah, cannot I say that I've good. seen Post Malone How do you look recently? worse? Um, we gotta oh, be he's right 26, so he's got a year. Exactly. This is a fun game. Who's the next member of the 27 Club? It's actually one we try not to play very often. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm having a good It feels good like it's time. skirting a weird line. Yeah. But. Maybe in about 12 years, young Sheldon can become the next member of the 27 Club. Oh, man. On the way... I'm so excited for young Sheldon. I recently went to uh, the undisclosed location where Peter lives, and uh, sure. on my flight back... Oh, it's Portland. It's foggy old Portland. Yeah. Okay. No, we know. We've talked about it many times. But and he hangs my... out at Prost Brewery a lot. Yes, we did. That's right. We went yeah. Twice. Find me. Yeah, yeah, I've told people to come find me at Prost. I'll kick your ass. <laughs> yeah. But on the way back, I did watch two episodes of Young Sheldon because they were on TV. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of fun. 
But I just love the novelty of I was flying in the air, a miracle, and I was watching live television, a miracle, and I decided to watch two episodes of Young Sheldon. (laughs) So is Young Sheldon, I can only imagine that they make all the other characters young in that show. Like, it's basically just baby Muppets, right? No, you'd be surprised. It's actually all of the Big Bang Theory characters, but only Sheldon is young. He went into a... Oh, so it's like a, it's the alternate universe where it's the same (laughs) group of friends, but instead Sheldon is 12 years old. He actually went into one of those uh, Stefan Urkel machines from Family Matters and got younger instead (laughs) of cooler. Interesting. Real quick, did he do that? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Couldn't remember. Jake, we're still. I'm still patiently awaiting your views on the 27 Club, Jim Morrison, and the. Dwarfs. I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to say about my, my views on the 27 Club. I'm aware of its existence, as all kids who are, you know, get obsessed with classic rock and classic rock mythology are. It's a very fast. Sure. It, like it's an interesting thing. And now, have you seen any portraits of a lot of them just hanging out together? Um, no, but I have seen a lot of portraits of, like, James Dean and Elvis and Marilyn Monroe. Hanging out at the gas station up in heaven. Yeah, yeah. And this is important because we're commissioning a 20 set, we're commissioning (laughs) a painting by that guy. Okay. Um, I assume he's, it's a guy and he's still alive, but we haven't looked any of this up yet. But we're commissioning, we're commissioning a painting by him that's all the 27 Club members podcasting up in heaven. (laughs) Well, I, we do have. I have one bad piece of news. That fellow, unfortunately, Uh-oh. has passed away. He was one of the people no. killed in the January sixth Capitol riot. <laughs> oh no! So, oh, no. yeah. Here, how I, did you miss that when you were there? That's that's awful. Well, it was a busy day. Peter had to make sure he got out with that sure. lectern. Yes. So. Well, we've we've actually talked about this many times. This is why was this why MeUndies dropped me as an Instagram sponsor? I think so. I think this is why is because I went to Washington D.C. on January sixth because uh-huh. uh, I was supposed to be meeting some friends there, but then they didn't show. <laughs> Um, so I just like walked around the Capitol the whole day, like filming and talking, and then me undies dropped me like a rock. Yeah. Well. So then now, now my undies, the my pillow guys' <laughs> new venture oh, is sponsoring me on Instagram. That's a nice piece of business. <laughs> I'm pretty sure good. that's that's what we ended up. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. So I, I technically I was there, but I was not anywhere near the Capitol. My friends told me to show, and then they all abandoned. Huh. Me, so. That is uh, yeah, contrary to some of the video evidence that I have seen, but. <laughs> Look, I mean, was it far off in the distance in the background? And I was like, what's that group over there? Here, Probably not my I nice friends much... that invited me. I was the one person who was invited to who <laughs> 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 They didn't want to come. So they were like, just go to this other place in Washington, D.C. We'll meet you there. <laughs> Do you still have the buffalo yeah. costume and the big robe or did you get rid of that after that whole thing? It was stolen out of my hotel room the night before. Oh, that's a convenient. <laughs> it was stolen out of my Watergate hotel room. He found the oh. tape on the door and thought something's amiss. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The hair I laid across the my doorknob like James Bond was gone Ooh. when I got back from. I have a hair anecdote. My martini. Sure. Uh, so I just bought a new car, and uh, it's a new car. It is like straight from the factory because they're uh, much. Those are easier to get than used cars right now because of uh, Joe Brandon's America. But, um, cool. but yeah. excuse me, President Joe Brandon's America. <laughs> Thank you. Put the respect <laughs> on it. And uh, I was moving the steering wheel uh, the other day, and a 
a v- extremely long like left to right or no just like straight like it's telescoping so it moves all around <laughs> okay. and i was trying to get it more comfortable and uh it's, you can one see thing you want to do away. when you drive is move that steering wheel man <laughs> you really want to be moving that steering wheel yeah um but uh i so you were you were adjusting it i was so adjusting i was adjusting the dick. steering wheel um i mean you said it but uh i was i was adjusting the steering wheel and i like I could feel that there was something like in the mechanics of the steering wheel and I pulled it out and it was like a, like a 15 inch long brown hair. (laughs) And I have no no idea where it came from. My hair is not that long. (laughs) Like nobody else has been in this car. It was very strange. Like some, you know, it's weird. You don't, yeah. You hear about all the time getting like a hair in your food (laughs) or something at a restaurant, but you never hear about getting a hair in your car from the factory workers who forgot to wear hairnets. It was was an extremely strange situation. That's crazy, man. You need to write Subaru and and figure out what they can do for you about that. (laughs) (laughs) Write a letter to the president. And you're certain you didn't put that in there to make sure nobody was steering your car. (laughs) Yeah. Like James Bond. Nobody else broke into my car to change my custom steering height. <laughs> steering yeah, column exactly. height. Also, um, speaking of James Bond, um, my favorite James Bond character actually happens to be boobies and butts galore. So. Oh, that's nice. You've been sitting on that one for about 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it earlier. I think it just came up. So. Okay. Well, James Bond at least. So, Jake, then, what are your views on the doors in Jim Morrison? I'm trying I mean, so hard to keep us on track. It is Thanks, gauche. Pete. Like, it, it's gauche to be like, I don't like the doors uh, because. Sure. I mean, we talked about it a lot on our first episode. The most Their boring reputation take, is bad. But yeah. I've just, I never got it. You know, I tried right. like in my like classic rock education period in high school and college where I was like trying to listen to all the classics. I tried sure. and I just. I synced up on that period with you. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Um, and you guys synced up? Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you well, just said, Pete? Yeah, I don't oh. know if I'm cool with that joke after I said it, but <laughs> it's kind of funny. Go ahead, Jake. Uh, but but yeah, I just never never really got it. I don't understand why he makes those noises. Um, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, it's called he, there's, singing, there's, Jake. I mean, it's but it's not. He's not singing. It's He's art. talking. It's called performance. It is called performance. Uh, performance art. Yeah. Um, so, so do you so not? Would you under- say they're your least favorite '60s rock band? Oh, that's a good question. They might be, or at least you know, a, a one worth caring about. Like, of course, no one likes Quicksilver. Messages, right. I was gonna but. say, like, when Peter and Gordon are in the equation, like, how can that be the case? You know? Yeah. No. Um. I mean, I, I, I guess, yeah, probably. I haven't like sat down they're and, and beat all yeah. the uh, '60s rock groups, but they're not like they're they're, they're not something I <clears throat> listen to. Now, Jake, um, yeah. would you rather listen to, and this is something we talk about a decent amount on the podcast, would you rather listen to The Doors or Eric Clapton? The Doors. Mm. Interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I actually had a game I was hoping to play that I kind of thought PJ was going to help me introduce there on accident. Oh. Not quite. Almost. I, I came up with a game this week that I thought would be fun. We can all we can go around and play around here. Uh, it's called Doors War, uh, like the card game War. Okay. You at uh, two players, you pull out a random card, you hold it up, and whoever's card is higher wins. Okay. So my idea for the game was one person can raise a Doors song, another person raises any other song, and the third person has to decide which one is better, and we'll see if the Doors ever win. <laughs> Because okay. we also talked about that a while ago, that it's like, is the best Doors song better than the any worst other song? Bob Dylan song? I don't yeah. know. No, I don't know. Even some Doors songs are good. 
So I'll start with the Doors song, and then maybe PJ could come up with another song, and our guest can okay, okay. can yeah. be the that's good the war decider. I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna use our our introduction song. I'm gonna go ahead and say uh, "Touch Me." I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the 27 theme and say "Me and Bobby McGee" by Janis Joplin. Pretty good one. Which one's better, Jake? Um, and that that is a toss up of two things I don't really care about. <laughs> Yeah, I think you actually. I gotta say, um, I, in terms I, of making touch, it a tough choice. Touch Me is one of the door songs that I kind of dig, um, but I do yeah. like that Me and Bobby McGee was written by Chris Christopherson, so I will give it that. Which, uh, and by the way, just would like to get this out there. You guys have heard of Chris Christopherson? Of course, well, yeah. He slept yeah. with Janis Joplin yeah. at one point, well, I guess. I'm, and then he's got, he gave her that song. Okay. Same name twice. Well, I'm, uh, I'm Piss Christopherson. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, dude. You come onto our podcast and say that shit. Are you kidding me? That's just a little something I've been wait, thinking Wait, so who about. wins? Oh, we still um, don't wait, know. Jake. No, I, fuck that joke. Who wins? Uh, uh, touch me because it is featured in School of Rock. Okay, wow. So the Doors already win one. Is that the first time you so, heard that song ever? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and okay. I thought it was the dopest thing I'd ever heard. And then I exactly. was like... Actually, this is kind of funny because, like, I knew the Doors hits when I was a kid. Like, you know, like "Light My Fire" sure. and and uh, "Hello, I Love You," and I had never yeah. heard uh, "Touch Me." So then, when I heard that in School of Rock, when I first saw that, when I was like, you know, ten or twelve or whatever, and I was like, "That's a really cool song." And then I found out it was by the Doors, and I was like, "Maybe I'll like the Doors." And I didn't. Mm. I still kind of only like that song, though. I do the keyboard on on the Doors. I mean, I'm not saying anything bold here. It's it's pretty much always awesome. Yeah, uh, there's Manzera one big it. problem with the doors, and we'll get to it. And his name is Jim Morrison. <laughs> um, I always knew the doors hit my ass on the way out. Yeah, well, that's uh. Th- so PJ, do you want to pick another Doors song, and then Jake <laughs> yeah. picks a different song, and I can we're we're going we'll just go left to right or clockwise on our call here. All right. Is this a fun game that we should keep? Doing? I like it. <laughs> I thought it was a funny idea. I love um, it. All right, go ahead, PJ. I'm gonna go tell all the people. Okay. Okay, the second track on Soft Parade. Or the first one? Is that it the sounds first strange one? That's days. the first song on Soft Parade. It sounds strange days. No, Tell All the People is off Soft Parade. What are you thinking of? Tell all the people. Yeah, that's yeah. That's the first song on Soft Parade. Are we still right. fighting about this, or should I give a song? Well, give me one. Give I mean, I don't know. It doesn't I, It doesn't matter what album it's on if that's the song. Okay, so that's the song. Yeah. The song that I'm going to put it up against is uh, Women is the N-Word of the World by John Lennon. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, having never heard the second song. What? <laughs> You're right, Peter. It's on Uh, Thanks, Peter. Yeah. Um, I just thought you might have been thinking of a different song. No, it was that one. Tell and wanted to make sure we were talking about the song you wanted to talk about. Um, to be fair, <clears throat> it is not by John Lennon. It is by the Plastic Ono Band, I oh, believe. Oh, okay. Plastic Ono Band. Oh, that's one of well, those. Well, having never heard the second song, I guess by default, I got to pick the Doors song. <laughs> and again, I do kind of, uh, that is one of the good Doors songs. I mean, this so. is fun. The Doors are two for two right now. The Doors are yeah. two for two. Maybe and we we're going all out love the Doors. <laughs> yeah, maybe the Doors are just incredible. Maybe we all get matching uh, door tattoos. Oh, man, that would Jake, be quite funny. <laughs> it would... See, okay, here's the way I imagine this song going, or this game going. I actually kind of imagine it more like PJ's, where it's like a, the best door song you can think of against a fine song by a much better artist. Yeah. Like, like Woman is the End like, Word of the World. <laughs> like Lay Lady Lay. 
Okay, fine. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Every every door song is worse than Lay Lady Lay. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> there's there's my sorry. Hot we're not Bob Dylan. Well, PJ is more of a Bob Dylan fan than I am. I like Bob Dylan. Um, Jake, pick a door song. Um, let's go with Crawling King Snake. And if you say a big and rich song, I'm gonna be so pissed. <laughs> PJ, how do you know that's what I was thinking? All right, Crawling King Snake is the first choice. Okay, I'm gonna go Crawling King Snake or um. Where the fuck is the song? We'll say, listen, um, listen to that Booker T esque organ. Hot, high and high and dry by the Rolling Stones. Oh man, it sounded so good until something happened there. <laughs> oh, Pete. Oh, Pete, Pete, you really stumped me on this one. I think we've all. Uh, I tried to not pick. A, a, I'm like any Rolling Stones blues song PJ is gonna pick, mm-hmm. so I tried to find the one that might actually. Well, it was be... probably a bad example for me to pick another classic blues song done by a different. Band. <laughs> That's very true, yeah. Jake. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, it definitely wasn't the only th- song I could think of in that second. <laughs> oh shit. I think I gotta go crawling king snake, man. The doors are three for three, man. That's the that's objectively the wrong choice, but I love I love the doors winning out on this game designed <laughs> to make fun <laughs> of it. Should we do one more? See if the doors. Uh... Sure, yeah. Let's let's do one more. Okay, let's let's try and pick the very best door song, whatever we think it might be. Okay, well, so you pick the door yet. song. I pick the song. Jake judges. I'm gonna sure. pick a song before you say. My door song. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm gonna try and pick what I think that like uh, is yeah the very best door song, or at least one of the very best door songs. I'm gonna try and make it hard, basically. Oh, I have the perfect song. All right, I have a perfect song as well. All right, what's your song? I'm gonna say 20th Century Fox. <sighs> She's a bull. I do. This is like the best door song, maybe. I think you kind of nailed that one. It's up there. Yeah. So, 20th Century Fox, and I'm picking Radar Love by Golden Earring. Bizarre choice, but I picked it before Pete picked his, so. I don't even know Golden Earring. Oh, but you know this song. Come on. Just listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's this song. Yeah. This song is better. Oh, this song's way better. Yeah. 
See, this guy does not sound like he's trying to be a like lizard deity. He sounds like he's just <laughs> trying to trying to sing a song. <laughs> That's much more interesting to me. Old Jim Morrison, the lizard deity. The lizard deity. The lizard. That guy, the lizard deity. That's Wait, have you sure. not heard this song ever? I think I've heard the name I mean, of this song. I don't song think for I sure, can pick I, this I song out of a lineup. Anyway, what a good game, Pete. That what was a fun. great game. Doors somehow. Right. So the doors three go three to three, one. To three and one. Yeah. yeah. I liked the um, the question that PJ posed uh, before we did this game, which was, "Would you take the doors over Eric Clapton?" And uh, mm. I would not. Eric Clapton is definitely l- the lowest on that list. Yes. Uh, of sixties icons for me. That is the correct answer. Oh yeah. 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 Like the doors are certainly. I find the doors infinitely more interesting than than. Uh, then slow Eric hand. <laughs> hey, speaking of Eric Clapton, PJ, uh, you want to go ahead and get our Sirius XM chat oh. uh, theme music ready? What is this? This is going to be the shortest Sirius XM chat of all time, but it's worth sharing, I think. Uh, so Sirius XM chat, speaking of Eric Clapton, on uh, what is now 60s Gold, formerly known as 60s on 6, uh, it's a crime against the listenership that they would have moved it off Channel 6 yeah, in favor strange. of fucking Coffee House. My God. Into the anyway, 500, 700? Jake, Jake, you just got a new car, so you know what I'm talking about. You get that free Sirius for like I, six months. I haven't uh, like co- hooked it up yet, but I've been meaning oh, to man. because- It's I, so uh, worth it. I, I Yeah, I- I never no. listen to Sirius at all other than when I'm with you. And then when I'm with you, it's mm-hmm. incredibly fun to just ride around in the car yeah. and just hear whatever song comes up. We, Which so, I know actually just I, describing the radio. <laughs> yeah, I think we all, we both experienced that at the same time when we were mm-hmm. in town for Pete's wedding and Sirius XM, mm-hmm. uh, formerly yeah. 60s on 6 was on, and we were like, what a good station. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so on 60s Gold, they just had like a weird little interstitial thing in between songs where they were, it seemed like they were teasing an interview with Eric Clapton, kind of, but I'm unclear if they actually were. Anyway, so... Eric Clapton, it was Eric Clapton on the Clapton is God phenomenon. And then his quote was, I'm paraphrasing here. His quote was like, yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of a cool thing. Cause like, you know, the mainstream press weren't really giving us attention. And it was just some kids with some spray paint. So yeah, I think it was good. <laughs> like no fucking shit, Eric. I mean, if, of course you think it was good, if, you idiot. If Clapton was God. He what a thoughtful turned, answer. If Clapton was God, he could have locked that window. So, <laughs> you know, if Clapton was God, he could have turned the the hard cement of the road into soft cotton candy. So these, I he think wouldn't that have to have tears in heaven if he was God. Proves, yeah. yeah, he'd have we, smiles in heaven. I mean. That's right. I will. I for the second time she's being mentioned on this show. I will quote Phoebe Bridgers and say, uh, "We hate tears in heaven, but it's sad that his baby died." <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> uh, that's good. Well, that's been serious XM chat. <laughs> um. All right. Well, are we ready to start talking about the doors? I mean, I think what else so. Have we been doing? <laughs> yeah. Right. There's been a lot of doors talk up front, Pete. Uh, okay, are we ready to get back into the actual life and times of the doors? Yes. Back into our narrative. <laughs> um, so we're in 1970 now. We finally, 
thank God, finally get to Jim's trial. (laughs) So this is for his indecent exposure, inciting riot charges, and whatever else. He had like six charges or whatever. We talked about it at length last episode. Last two episodes, actually. Yes, we did talk about it a long time, yeah. So, as we've mentioned, he was convicted by a jury. It was, for some reason, a jury trial, which is... Kind of strange. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, he was convicted. He was sentenced to six months in prison and fined $500, which feels backwards. Wouldn't yeah. he be fined a lot and sentenced, sentenced to, like, six weeks in prison or something? I don't know. Um, so, but he paid a $50,000 bond to stay out of prison for the time being and appealed the result of the trial. Uh, and then that would stay open until he died like he never got back to to court mm-hmm. to finish appealing that trial um why so Pete, what happened he died i just said oh oh no yeah not jim uh so here's some here's a quote he had about the trial um oh no um I guess it was a valuable experience because before the trial, I had a very unrealistic schoolboy attitude about the American judicial system. My eyes have been opened up a bit. There were guys down there, black guys, that would go each day before I went. It took about five minutes and they would get 20 or 25 years in jail. If I hadn't had unlimited funds to continue fighting my case, I'd be in jail right now for three years. It's just if you have money, you don't go to jail. Yep. Okay. So nothing's changed. That's good to know. Um... So after the trial, the doors keep touring a little bit in 1970, uh, but the back half of the year saw uh, a weird, like, serious decline. For some reason, their manager could only wrangle them up three live dates, Hmm. (laughs) uh, which was two nights in Dallas and one night in New Orleans. Uh, So the third night there in New Orleans, in December 1970, they they end up performing for the last time. Uh, at least with Jim, oh, I assume after he dies, they tour. So halfway through the concert, he has a breakdown on stage. He sits on like the drums dais and refuses to keep singing and then gets mad and smashes the microphone into the floor until it breaks. Uh, and so the concert ends, the rest of the band meets backstage and agrees that they would be done playing live shows for the time being. Uh, Is he fat so... at this point? Has he gotten fat yet? Well, he never yeah. really got fat. We let me, also discussed let that. Let me check our Wikipedia page to get the whatever Jim's physical uh, state is at. Yes, he is, according to every Wikipedia uh, article he has on gained the doors, weight. Okay. he has now gained weight, changed his appearance, and this is a huge deal. He's about 190, right. though. So Yeah, in fairness. Yeah. <laughs> so he's I mean, a little yeah, guy. Right. He weighs 190. He was 140. So, <laughs> so big big weight gain for him. But if you really think about it. <laughs> but, yeah. So he's learning leather does not stretch. Uh, <laughs> so despite, despite all this problem with touring and his trial being ongoing, kind of his appeal being ongoing, they decide to continue recording uh, their newest album, L.A. Woman. So they start recording in November 1970. And it was a whole thing, apparently, with Elektra about they wanted it to come out in time for the holidays. And it obviously wasn't going to be done by then. So Elektra released a best of that Jim really hated, and he threatened to leave uh, the record company. And then they reminded him that they actually still have one album left, so please make that album for us. So they get back to work on L.A. Woman. (laughs) So back in the studio, Paul Rothschild is getting more and more frustrated with the Doors. Uh, <laughs> Who is it? So, obvi- as we know, he, <laughs> yeah, right. 
he tried to like kind of impose not impose i don't know recommend whatever a new sound for them during soft parade and it was only kind of half worked um he's seen them come into the studio for four consecutive albums without any songs written (laughs) um and so he liked kind of where they were going he liked la woman and riders on the storm apparently but he really hated love her Hmm. madly which uh in this kind of defining moment in their breakup he called it cocktail music oh no you oh, it's no. definitely cocktail yeah. music. Oh, man. Music that yeah. music that people want to listen to and like. That's horrifying. I, I know, yeah. right? Um, and apparently, he says, Paul said that it was he was trying to be their coach, I guess, by making them mad enough that they would start <laughs> caring again by insulting their music. They yeah, were writing, that always so. works. Whatever. So all of this then combines with Jim kind of being absent from the studio right. per usual. And uh, from our last artist we covered, uh, Paul worked with Janis Joplin on her final album. And so she died in September, I think, of 1970. So he wasn't feeling great about that. So he just decides to step down as their producer. They kind of reach the end of the road together. He recommends they use Bruce Botnick, who was the Doors engineer for all the previous records, um, as their new producer. So it was kind of a, I guess, amicable break generally you know like they just were you know those 60s guys who got it on the ground floor of just being the engineer really uh yeah right lucked out in the end (laughs) where they're like why don't you just produce it (laughs) yeah i feel like that happens with every single band yes um so this helped the doors a lot in terms of recording this album they felt like their like prison warden was finally gone so they were more relaxed they could work at their own pace uh they moved to recording at their own building uh, in Santa Monica that they called the workshop um, where they like brought in a bunch of equipment from Electra and set up their own studio and Jim chilled out. Apparently he was much more laid back. He was much more involved and stopped drinking during the recording process after Paul left. So it was a good breakup at least at the time for them. So So, Paul was an enabler is what I'm hearing. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Um, so, and for the first time, they, as we know, they've used session guys throughout their whole career, but for the first time, they go and seek out their own, like, backing group before they start recording, instead of just using whoever's hanging out in Electra's stable at the time. So, they get uh, rhythm guitarist Mark Benno, who had apparently worked with Leon Russell a lot, and then they got Elvis's bass player, Jerry Chef, hell to yeah. play bass on this record. Jerry Chef, hell yeah, dude. So apparently Jim was a huge Elvis fan, so he was insanely excited. And then John Densmore was also really excited to have like a consistent rhythm session or section mm-hmm. in the studio every day uh, yeah. to play with as well. So everyone, so the, the vibes are good, I guess, is what I'm trying to say here. Did, would you like to know the only other uh, link I know between Elvis and Jim Morrison? Mm-hmm. They were both it's assholes. Not... They both died. Young. Well, that too. Okay. Um, they both bought brand new when Honda came out with the uh, CL77 motorcycle. Okay. They both bought one brand new, and then a bunch of other people bought them because mm-hmm. they thought they were going to be like collector's items, and then they never became a collector's item. <laughs> That's fun. Do we know if they ever met? Elvis Yeah, and there's Jim that Morrison? whole movie, Jim Morrison and oh, Elvis. Of course. No, I don't think they would ever met. I mean, Elvis is like... I mean, he met a lot of people. There was uh, Alice Cooper has a story where he 
met Elvis with Liza Minnelli, who he had also never God, met, but they both went night. up in the elevator together. And then um, Elvis, I think I've told this on the podcast, and I think you were on it, Jake. Um, but Elvis uh, was like, I like that thing you do with a snake, man. You use it as a bow. I wish I would have thought of that, man. <laughs> and then he was like, you didn't know anything about karate? And then uh, Alice Cooper was like, no. So like, let me show you some karate. And then he, uh, are you, you know, sure this isn't from? Walmart? I was going to say, are you just thinking of the scene of Walk Hard? Because right, see, it absolutely sounds like because it, but this he is knows a real story. Only two, types, only two types of people know karate. One of them is the Chinese. One of them is the king, and Elvis was one of them. So, or Elvis is one of those things. <laughs> okay. so. Right. Um, but he like. You know, I think like knocked Alice Cooper on the floor, and then he pulled a gun out of uh, <laughs> out of a drawer in his kitchen, and he fired him, and he's like, "And that's how you do it, man." And then he like <laughs> fired the gun, but there was like it was empty. Yeah. And then Alice Cooper was like, "Other than that, it was a very, very normal uh-huh. night." <laughs> so, Jesus I Christ. feel like a night with Elvis was probably yeah, like a lot of just like down home, good old boy, fun stuff, good food, and then just. At one point, he would threaten to kill someone, and then it, right. you would just go straight yeah. back to, like, we're sitting here drinking milkshakes with Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> that must have. Yeah. yeah. You're probably right. So, L.A. Woman ends up uh, being a very bluesy album, uh, a continuation of their work on Morrison Hotel, where they started dabbling in, like, kind of more straight, traditional blues. Um They've always done a little bit of blues, like via the Booker T kind of sound that they used a lot yeah. on their early record, that they bring back on this album a little bit and some on Morrison Hotel, but but really they get more into like traditional actual um, blues. Uh, so this is a great quote I found, by the way, <laughs> from Electra president Jack Holzman on them doing the blues. Quote, Jim always thought he was the world's best blues singer. He'd see somebody up on the stage and say, you can't sing the blues worth shit and nearly get into a fight with them. He was generally drunk by then. Mm -hmm. Jim had a preponderance of wonderful qualities, a great gentleness. (laughs) And I don't know why halfway through that quote, he just starts complimenting him instead of talking about how much of a drunk asshole he was. But yeah, it's mostly great because objectively, Jim Morrison is one of the world's worst blues singers. And so the idea that the president of a lecture would be like, oh, yeah, he's great. Is very funny. And also amazing that Jim really thought he was decent at all. I mean, I, like, for how yeah. full of himself he is, it still surprises me Jim would have thought he was, like, a fantastic singer. Because he's objectively not. It's more his, like, personality, I think, that people like and stage presence yeah, and well, all that. Well, like, he was drunk. What did he know? You know? <laughs> yeah, true. You ever been drunk at karaoke and you're like, wow, everybody's yeah. going to love this. Yeah. Plus, they had an so invented that's a white guy. He thinks he sounds incredible. <laughs> exactly. He's like, to me, I sound just like Elvis. <laughs> uh, so they finish L.A. Woman in a mind-blowing six days, uh, which is just fucking nuts. Holy that's wild. I, know. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, their final day recording, they did the final versions of Cars Hiss by My Window, Crawling, Kingsnake, and L.A. Woman all in one day. And they limited overdubs because they really wanted like a you know more live kind of studio Bluesy, sound there. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah. So let's see. Ray said after the fact that they didn't really start writing songs with like a concept in mind at all. But after the album got done, they realized it ended up being almost. It's definitely a loose concept, but kind of a concept album about L.A. and all their in, feelings in LA on L.A. And woman. And ended up kind of being Jim's, like, goodbye to L.A., because right after this, we'll 
he moves to Paris and is kind of kind of done with the LA scene. So just kind of interesting, I guess. Mm-hmm. Fun fact: um, he was the fattest person in Paris at one point. <laughs> wow. Uh, so. I think that's kind of all there is about the recording of L.A. Woman. Would we, uh, let's go ahead and do our Rolling Stone review for L.A. Woman. This is a pretty long review, and, uh, it's not even after his death. So, unlike Pearl, they didn't do a whole thing of where it's, like, also a retrospective. They just really waxed eloquent on the doors here. So, uh, it was released, uh, this review came out on May 27th, 1971. It was written by Robert Meltzer. And, yeah, he pontificates for several paragraphs about the doors here. Let's, let's just start at the beginning. Besides Do you think his name was Fondue around the Rolling Stone uh, offices? Yes. Besides being, I don't understand that joke. His last name is Meltzer. Okay. Just just keep going, Pete. Besides being heavy in their early days, the doors were funny too. Funnier than a fish. Who can ever forget those great Morrison ad-libs like the one he once did during a lull in Gloria? Quote, Little girl, how old are you? Little girl, what school do you go to? Little girl, suck my cock. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I take it back? The doors are funny. (laughs) (laughs) He was an earnest drinker, which helped. Now he's drinking more than ever, hence there's some material basis for all the laughs. There isn't one serious cut on this entire album. Just consider the extent to which Jimbo's snake and lizard obsessions contributed to the wanton slaughter of zillions of members of the Earth's reptile population for the sake of boots and belts. (laughs) His influence on that and other fashion trends has to be considerable, an absurd fact considering how the man himself has been literally abandoned by the hippos of rock fandom during his darkest hours. Well, now he's taking no chances about being taken seriously. In fact, he's not even writing his own snake lyrics anymore. Instead, he's covering John Lee Hooker's Crawling King Snake. (laughs) Uh, a proof that he and his boys are still listening to The Roots even after the death of Alan Wilson. Don't forget that Canned Heat was once LA's number one comedy band. <laughs> Weird dig, what the I fuck? guess. Yeah. Uh, Morrison demonstrates his final grasp of all the vocal chicanery only hinted at in Flashes on Love Street. Which means he's finally found complete security and caution to the winds Hollywood lemonade singing, the midpoint between bubblegum and a good chance of being invited to sing an Oscar nomination at the Academy Awards. Wow. All right. Listen, I say this Let's as see. a arts journalist. Arts journalism is so bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Lester so... Bangs. Lester Bangs article that we read last week. Really even-handed. Mm-hmm. Very well written. This one is bad. Yeah. It's funny that so... he is considered like such this genius, and it's like maybe he was just the only one in that scene who knew how to write at all. <laughs> it's possible. That yeah. might be right. Let's see. They say he's a better blues singer, but he's still no Eric Burden or even Captain Beefheart in terms of covering the blues. Uh, let's see. Jim's backup band, which is a mean thing to say to the talented members of this group, yeah. um, <laughs> has finally reduced its approach. Uh, oh, wait. Sorry. I started talking without actually reading the sentence I was talking about. <laughs> The Doors have never been more together, more like the Beach Boys. Uh, so when it's Morrison setting the tone with lines like, why did you throw the Jack of Hearts away on Hyacinth House? It's Manzarek, Robbie, and Densmore keeping the second-to-second ridiculousness going on and on, 
with tirades of utter mere pleasantness straight out of Derek and the Dominoes. In terms of what they're after here, the doors never falter and there wasn't there isn't one bummer cut on the entire album, obviously a first for them. <laughs> it's also the first time since the end and when the music's over, their first two albums, that they've been able to pull off anything interesting in the way of long cuts on LA Woman, uh, with maybe the best Chuck Berry riff since The Stones, and Riders on the Storm. Can you stop right there for a second, Pete? Yeah. This guy has a through line for everything we ever fucking talk about. Talk about right. the Beach Boys, the Stones, yeah. fucking Can Heat, and Eric Clapton. This <laughs> yeah. guy, you guys got to do Chuck Berry next. Yeah. Uh, let's see, and he calls himself a monkey's uncle if the Wasp doesn't showcase Morrison's finest command of spoken jive to date. Okay. <clears throat> you can kick me in the ass for saying this. This is The Doors' greatest album and including their first, the best album so far this year, which doesn't make any sense. I will kick um, him in the ass for something. <laughs> yeah, a landmark guy. worthy of dancing in the streets. This is 1971, and he is claiming this is the best album so far this year. <clears throat> what else? I also legitimately thought he was being mean to it for the first three quarters of that review. Yeah, so that I'm very confused. takes a weird turn. I think there was a Dylan but maybe album that it's came out all in 71. satirical. Maybe he's saying it's the best album in a joking way. Sticky Fingers came out in 71. Hunky Dory came out in 71. What's Going On came out. Ram came Didn't out. Did Tapestry yeah. come out in 1971? Led yeah. Zeppelin uh, 4 came out. Every Picture Tells a Story came out. Yeah. Imagine That's a wild came opinion. out. Madman Across the Water came out. Oh my god. Yeah, what was I reading? Let's see. Let me find something. Nilsson Schmilson came out. Yeah, that is. Carly Simon, came, Carly Simon's self-titled yeah. debut came out. Concert for Dang- Bangladesh came out that year. Uh, yes, C- Crazy Horse by Crazy Horse. I mean, there's there's some like real killers in this year. Yeah, it's it's one of the greatest years for rock music ever. And even if you love La Woman, I feel like it would be hard to deny that it's it's maybe in a top five, not the best. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, Thin, no matter how you, Thin anyway. Lizzy's debut came out this year. A lot of good, like, great stuff came out this year. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of there we go. Thanks. Out this year. Yes, thanks to Rolling Stone for the uh, confusing. I can only say confusing review. Saying this is better than Tapestry is is a really funny take. <laughs> like, like one of the most Saying influential this is better than things Led ever Zeppelin made. Almost, although they hated Led Zeppelin. So. You know what else came out? Live at Fillmore East by the Allman Brothers. That's, there's like 12 genres invented in this year. Like, tapestry yeah. is a genre. <laughs> Live at Fillmore East is a genre. Like, that is Hunky insane. Dory, a genre. Yeah. yeah. God damn it. Well, do we? let's take a break, calm down a little bit, and then come back <laughs> Ram, for the track by track Ram of LA. Ram came, came out this year. Uh, All right, what are- and uh, it is why I I read that in the Wikipedia page. The person's like, you know, Rolling Stone critic called it the best album of the year, and I was like, that. Uh-huh. Am I thinking of 1972? I don't think I am. This is Jesus. the year of like every great album. Yeah. What was the Dylan album in 70? 70- I mean, I, every I year from like 68 to one. 73 had like 50 Surf's of the greatest up. albums ever made. But, Surfs up came out in yeah, 71. Surfs up is better than this shit. Anyway. Anyway, all right, uh, we'll be right back.
And Pete, welcome what you back. chugging? <laughs> nothing, nothing. Oh man. And welcome back to the Twenty Seven Club. We're talking about the Doors' final album, "L.A. Well, Woman." Jim Morrison's final album. That's true. The Doors' final album with their lead singer Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison uh, and the Doors' final album. <laughs> yeah, we're doing Doors. No, of not the even that actually. <laughs> well, that's true. Kinda. We'll see. Uh, so it went to let's see. L.A. Woman came out in uh, I don't even have the the date when it came out. April 1971, uh, which would make that Rolling Stone review the fastest they've ever reviewed an album that we've talked about so far. By the way, it took them That's one true. month, less than yeah. a month to review that album. Usually, it's like four months later. So was it really? That's weird. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so the album went to this number nine. This is why nine. print is dying. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll say went it. to number nine in the U.S. and number 28 in the U.K. Uh, the first single was Love Her Madly. The band really wanted Changeling, but Electra went with Love Her Madly. Both uh, weird that went, choices. I yeah, mean, it, yeah, agreed. Uh, it went to number 11. The second single was released The Week Jim Died, Riders on the Storm, went to number 14. I mean, so didn't even, I he didn't even get the Janus I... treatment where it didn't even go number one because he died or anything. So, Well, Poor it guy. sucks. That's because yeah, he fine. fucked off to France and he died in France. Nobody really knew about it until... How long yeah. did news take to get places then? It, we'll Eight weeks or so? It, it was yeah. delayed. You're right. But well, we'll, what? The we'll Titanic to was like, that took, I think, like eight days to get across the ocean. Yeah. So we got to assume it was about that long. Yeah, the yeah. Titanic that famously made it across the ocean. <laughs> well, uh, Peter. The perfect example I don't of have a boat time that made to it from one to you country to how the next. wrong you are. That, that was not the Titanic that sank. That was a totally different boat. All right. And they're trying the to first make you track look on LA Woman is The Changeling. <laughs> Speaking of their Booker T and the MGs yeah. sound. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It is back with a vengeance, there's, baby. There's like three and songs on here where I was gym like. Sounds too, Jake. Yeah. Sorry, PJ, go ahead. No, was, there's like three on here where until Jim starts singing, you, it would be a Booker T song. Yeah. But mm-hmm. holy shit. I mean, it grooves. Dude. It goes hard, man. It's pretty great. It's Jerry Chef is killing it. It's an awesome baseline. Yeah. Awesome baseline. Good organ. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. good organ. <laughs> yeah. I mean, almost almost nothing could ruin this song at this point. It's already so good. Yeah. You know, right? I can't think of anything. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a good run. <laughs> we had about 20 seconds. Yeah. I mean, he's doing a new voice, a new vocal take, the growling thing. He doesn't do that. I, I prefer often. it to like the the kind of uh, fluidity. Talk of singing. The, yeah. Sure. Yeah. But. I mean, John Densmore, once again, like a few albums back, we were like, he figured something out. Yeah. Still doing it. Yeah, like sounds great. The instrumentation is solid. It is. Uh, this song is very paint by numbers to me. There's nothing about it. Like for being the intro to supposedly one of their best albums, it's like okay, we've heard we've heard this before. The lyrics aren't particularly interesting. Yeah. The instrumentation is good, but nothing new. No, we're not. For we've them. not. We've heard. Yeah, we've, we're not hearing anything new on this song. No. I'm just oh. oh. And they're not even really doing the Rolling Stones thing where it's like, oh, this sounds like an early song, but better. This kind of just sounds exactly like their old Booker stuff to me. So, um. Yeah. Well, except for his vocal take, which is worse. True. Eh, arguably. 
Mm. Yeah. I hear someone I mean... likes it better. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's uh, fine. I don't I don't think the changeling goes anywhere. If there's a solo, it's not. It memorable. doesn't. No, there was a tiny little guitar, not even solo, it's like three bars. Well, um, let's get to that first single, Love Her Madly. This was a Robbie Krieger song. I kind of hate when Manzarek uses the ragtime piano. Like, I like him on an organ. I like him on a normal piano. I don't like this ragtime piano. That being said, Um, I don't mind this song. Well... I don't mind it. It's I mean, it has the madly, madly rhyme, which sucks. <laughs> he's credited with playing a Vox Continental, but I don't know if that's maybe just for a solo or something here. So, because I agree, it sounds like the like upright piano kind of thing. Yeah, like the out of tune kind of right, right. Tin Pan Alley thing. Uh, yeah, this is interesting. They mash up like three different song ideas here, and I don't think any of them fit with each other. So that's rough. Like, this is a fully separate, like, song fragment than the first part to me. Mm-hmm. And then the chorus is an even different fragment, and I just think they don't really mesh. But... Oh, yeah, here's the Vox Connor. Like, and then this is the third song fragment, where it's just, like, you know, Kruger had a lot of bits and pieces, I guess. Yeah, overall, this is, like... And also, what year did Sultans of Swing come out? Because... <laughs> Someone stole an opening riff from someone, and I don't know which way it goes, but. Songs of Swing came out seven years after this. Oh, okay. 78. They lifted the intro to Lover Madly then, because it sounds exactly like that. This song's fine. I mean, I just don't think. Yeah. I think, but yeah, we both said we don't It's wild that it it was the single, and it's wild that it's the second song, again, on what's supposed to be, like, one of their best albums, because it it really sounds like a B-side to me that feels, at least to me, obviously mashed up between unfinished songs, so. And it's shocking to me, a fact you told, said at the beginning, um, is that he stopped drinking during the recording of this album, which is bonkers to me because oh. he sounds drunk singing every single one of these oh, songs. Yeah. Don't you love it's it? Ironic. He sounds more Malay. sober when he's drunk. That's why he yeah. drank. Yeah. Uh, let's get to Bend Down So Long. Ooh, a goddamn. I kind of like this. This is apparently a reworking, a la Canned Heat, a reworking of an old blues song. Yeah. Yep. So stealing from a black guy? Right. Yeah. Um, this might be... I mean, Jim, this whole album kind of does the same vocal thing. But on right. this one, to me, it works. And also, oh, dude, that guitar. He has great guitar. I like this song. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> I found this to be just a very, very paint-by-numbers blues song. I mean, like, it is, yeah, but... It sounds like... I mean, we know that they learned the blues last album, and it sounds like they didn't learn anything new to me. No, but the I'm, the, I'm, the tone yeah. is like they dialed in their tone on this one a little bit more. Like, that guitar tone and the bass is really good. 
I suppose, man. I, I So here's what I'm thinking at this point, actually listening to this record, is are, are Robbie Krieger and Rayman Zarek busy or something? They, they sound like they're putting in about a third level of effort that they have the last few albums. Like the guitar lines are just kind of there. Like the piano's just there in the background, but it's not like taking over at all. Yeah, the keys. It's, I'm are very unimpressed with, like, I mean, the no, band. That's at not this true. Point. The keys on, what the Changeling were good. Yeah. This slide solo. Yeah. Good. I think it's fine at best. It sounds like Robbie Krieger learned how to use a slide. It sounds is what it like, sounds like to me. Oh yeah, Pete, why don't like you a... try to play the solo? <laughs> He was this, like, you know whole... how cool it is that, look, I can play this low note and this really high note right next to each other because it's slides. Hey, this, get it? Th- th- this, this cool band called the Almond Brothers just came out with a live album. Dude, we'll get to them listening to the Almond Brothers. This whole, especially side one of this record, just kind of sounds like they're like a, a, a blues like garage rock band, which right. is fine. I find it better than like you know, the end and shit like yeah, that. But sure. it's still like, I would. there's a thousand blues rock bands I'd rather listen to than that. Well, them. right, and they're doing the blues in 1971, <laughs> which is six yeah. years late. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's wild and, that, like, they're putting out what is ostensibly, like, the first half here is, like, ostensibly, like, a Rolling Stones debut album, but in 1971. Mm-hmm. And it played at that level, too. Like, it's not, it's not like yeah. they're bringing new stuff well, to Well, and I see where me. you're coming from. But to me, and I'm thinking like, oh, the Doors playing this as opposed to like them playing, like, the Spy. I much prefer this. Well, you know, yeah. But the Spy comes when they're also doing Land Ho, which is fantastic. Land Ho's good, like, but like, I guess I'd rather I'd rather they experiment than settle into boring genre music. Speaking of boring genre music, let's get to Cars Hiss by My Window. Yep. This you know, song I've does never, make Bend Down So Long look really good. I've never heard this melody before. It's crazy. <laughs> never heard a song like this. So this, it, so the Doors did listen to a Rolling Stones album, I guess it turns out. They now have been made aware of the Rolling Stones. <laughs> it's it's like they had bought one like seven years prior, and then they were like, oh, I forgot to unwrap this. And then they were like, <laughs> oh my god, yes, you right? About this? Stones are doing crazy he stuff really nowadays. Feels like he's trying to do a Mick Jagger voice to yeah. me here. It's funny. I got this girl yeah, I can hear that. Um, yeah. You want to hear the background to the writing of this song, which is like the most boring background story in the world, to the point where I'm surprised anyone writing the Wikipedia page even included <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. According to someone close to Jim, while they recorded this album, he stayed in an apartment that was right next to the highway, so he probably heard cars driving by his window. Damn, he probably did do that. So, uh, he, that probably he, inspired he this. He put on this Stones album that he had previously never listened to, and a car went by, and he thought, "I got an idea." Yeah. Bear with me here, guys. I got a Incredible. crazy idea. Yeah, that's how the Blues poets is just about life. Yeah, that's how the poets mind. <laughs> All right, works, I'm man. gonna skip. Sometimes yeah. life is just hearing a song. Uh, L.A. Woman. So now we get to L.A. Woman, the one of the centerpieces of the record. Uh, the end of side one. It's a long. It's like seven and a half minutes, right? Yeah, it's long. Something yeah, like it. That. Uh, this is. Yeah, there's about twenty-five seconds of ideas, and they go for seven <laughs> and a half minutes. This is uh, Paul F. Tompkins, the comedian, least favorite song. Fun fact. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, 
now they heard an Almond Brothers album, turns <laughs> out. That guitar tone has always bugged me. It's so thin and bad, I think. This, oh my god, this could not be more of a cover of an Almond Brothers song. But with And also only having one drummer, sadly. Uh huh. Um. I forget. Oh, there. Ugh. I used to love this song when I was in high school. I realize how ridiculous it is now, but. There are some parts I still genuinely enjoy of this song, but they're buried like five minutes in, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I will say at this point, I'm enjoying myself for the first time on the album. I just can't take his, his blues affectation seriously. He, he sounds like he lost a bet and they were like, you are not allowed to speak words on this song, You, but you have to sing a cohesive song and he was just like a saddle see that's why I'm like, shocked he's not drinking during trash. the recording of this album everything's yeah. so slurred and then yes it is very slurred he's like you're right it's like he's trying to sound like Dwayne Allman with that guitar tone but he can't play as well as Dwayne Allman so it's just not working for him no. and yeah. I Robbie Krieger's an amazing guitarist but he's no Dwayne Allman you know nobody's no. like Dwayne well, Allman no he's not the greatest guitarist yeah. of all time Ugh. I do not like I'm that sorry. part. Yeah. I I don't I don't just want to be the guy who's talking about how the doors suck, but man, this song sucks so bad. So apparently, PJ, this came full circle. This came up on our first episode, and you told me to Mr. Just wait and see. Mojo Rising. This, this is the song what, there, where Mr. Mojo Rising comes in. Ugh. So Jim, so Jim wrote the lyrics to this song. At some point, he what? calls himself Mr. Mojo Rising. And John Densmore, I, this, by the way, the the thing that I read about this made it seem like it was unprompted. So, like, John Densmore, like Densmore is just line. sitting there. Okay, well, listen. Damn. Was this sampled on the Oregon Trail video game? <laughs> it's very, it's good. It is kind of ragtimey. This is, like, like, just literally what you would hear if you were, like, in the bar at yeah. Tombstone. All right. Yeah, that's solid. Um, so John Densmore is just sitting there in the studio board. Jim walks up and says, hey, let me show you something cool, John. <laughs> Grabs a piece of chalk on the blackboard that I guess is there, or writes on something, whatever. I'm going to pretend it's a blackboard. Yeah, that's way better. Writes, writes out Mr. Mojo Ryzen, and then writes out Jim Morrison below and shows him how it's a cool anagram, and he fucking blew John Den- Densmore's mind, man. So in my he mind... He was like, whoa, we do have a poet in our band. So it is literally just the scene from Harry Potter and the Chamber yeah, of Secrets. Basically. Where he's like, I am Lord of Voldemort. Turns yeah. in, in my mind, riddle. he was going yeah. down to Venice Beach to go visit his old roof, see if he left any beans up there. <laughs> He walks by this gypsy lady, and she's like, hey, hey, what's your name, pal? And he's like, Jim Morrison. And she goes, Mr. Mojo Rising. <laughs> and then charges <laughs> him $10. <laughs> and then he yeah. immediately goes to the studio. So I don't know if you guys have discussed this, but I was Googling the uh, the roof that he lived on, and I think it's apartment buildings now called the Morrison Apartments. Oh, wow. We did not look this Whoa. up. Like, like I, because I, I wanted I to see what the there? roof was like. I wanted to know if it was an Adobe style flat roof or if he was just sleeping at a forty-five <laughs> degree angle for that whole year. If it was an Alp, yeah. 
Oh. Yeah, if he like had to tie himself in like a mountain climber sleeping. So he on the really side had to climb to get to the top of that roof. Yeah. If it was an apartment building, that's wild. Unless I guess if it's like a fourplex, then it wouldn't be that high. Yeah, I don't think it's that high. Okay, so during he, the breakdown however, here, very high. Let's so let's also just ruminate real quick on the fact that Robbie Krieger apparently considers L.A. Woman the quintessential Doors song, and I, I have no I idea disagree. from what angle he's coming from on that. Uh, it sucks. So, well, yeah, to me, like, it's it's one song. of their most famous ones, but nothing about it, to me, screams the doors, aside from it being vaguely obnoxious. Like, like it yeah, is not a agreed. sound. It's not a sound they're known for until this album. Like, musically, it's not stuff they're known for until this album. It's not like the lyrics are particularly, like, Jim Morrison-y or anything. Like, to me, it's a very non-normal Doors song. So the fact that he considers it, like, the quintessential one is wild to me. Yeah. Here we go. He's going to keep on rising. I worked with this person, and I never saw them because I used to work at a place that had like 100-plus employees, but the car was in the parking lot every day. The license plate said Mojo Rising, and then they had a bumper sticker Hell that said yeah. Mr. on it because they couldn't nice. fit Mr. Mojo Rising on a license plate. You can fit Mojo Rising? Um, if you spell like it, I think it was oh. M-O-J-O-R-S-N maybe. Got it, yeah. So, yeah, I think this song is fine at best, like the whole album so far. So, for I would like it a lot more if it wasn't so obvious that they were that they heard an Allman Brothers song, yeah. I think. Sure. And yeah. for, like, what a lot of people consider their quintessential song off their quintessential album, it's a real shrug of a song. It's, it's very, it's like almost a bad song. Yeah. I mean, it is yeah. a bad song. We can s- I think I'm being kind by saying it's almost a bad yeah, song. Yeah, it's not yeah. a good one. Well, let's get to I li- well, I like the second album. The- no, I don't. Oh, okay. Never mind. Just kidding. Let's get to the second half of the album. starts off strong with Lamerica. <laughs> to which I say, la lame. <laughs> <laughs> la pass. La hey, no wait. Are you a Rolling Stone reporter, Pete? <laughs> that was my one word review. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't know they wrote The Spy again. Oh, I didn't know these guys were arty again. I thought they were done with that. I thought they were just writing cool, groovy music now. Yeah, something you could dance to. <laughs> Put this album on at a party. Hot damn. That's why Paul F. Tompkins, the first time he heard L.A. Woman, he was at a party. And so when he put it on, mm. and they were like, you guys have to listen to this. And it was like 10 <laughs> dudes standing around in a circle listening to it. And he's like, I don't like it or get it. And everybody else is like, yeah. That's a wild. I feel like that's a, the word quintessential is now stuck in my head. That's like a quintessential song you put on at a party, but forget that it has the breakdown in it. Yeah. So like for the first four minutes, you're like, hell yeah, this rules. <laughs> and then he just starts screaming about Mojo Rising. And you're like, oh, I forgot. This kind of sucks. And I almost crowd. skipped like, to America. <laughs> this is pretty stupid. Yeah. Uh, so this sucks. Like that guitar line really blows. It, the drums are bad. Yeah. When you get to is, the lyrics, they're really bad. This is just the ants are marching in. Yeah, this is the right. f- like almost exactly, and I think this is the first time listening to the Doors where the instrumentation is as bad as the vocal take. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's a great, a great, a good point. And we're gonna go to um, the next song. Yeah, this song's four and a half minutes long somehow. This is Hyacinth House. Hyacinth House. Uh, so this is a Manzarek tune with Jim lyrics. This is the first song in the album I think I would say that I enjoy. 
The baseline's incredible. Yeah, this one might be the best one on it's the album. It's some real like Chicago baseline shit. It's it's good. Hammond organ coming back. And once again, I like have hated his vocal take for most of this album. It works more on this song. I still don't love it, but it works more on this song. Yeah, I like his vocals on this. I actually, the, I mean, I never loved the Doors lyrics. Like, by far the weakest part of this song are that the lyrics are awful. Yeah, if the lyrics were even fine, I think I would really love this song, actually. But... It sounds like if you take Jim Morrison out and like you put Father John Misty on it, it would not sound out of place at all. <laughs> um, so this song also has some wild... I, nothing's credited on the Wikipedia page with it being a different instrument, which is crazy, but it's got what sounds like a crazy synth thing going on. Oh, behind. yeah, that's like... Yeah. In the back, and it's really, really well. Cool, they actually, actually had R2D2 in the studio that day. He was <laughs> yeah, visiting, that's right. and uh, <laughs> that's they cool. were like, You can be on a track, buddy. Do you guys want to see the Spotify uh, fucking art that they put on this song? Yeah, it's just a flower blooming. Over oh, it's Hyacinth. That's cool. How cool. Wow. I have that feature turned off on yeah, Spotify. Yeah, Peter told me how to like a it. while back, and I've I never did it. I wish I would have, because I hate it. Sometimes it's fun. Yeah. Hey, random fun fact I learned that fits nowhere else in any of our notes about this, but uh, apparently Robbie Krieger owned a bobcat. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that somehow that's came cool up when I was reading something. Robbie Krieger, and it was damn. fucking wild. Yeah. So crazy. Although, to be fair, when I read it, it said owned a baby bobcat, so unclear whether he kept it once it well, grew up Well, a baby bobcat is like, just a house cat. He definitely had it killed. <laughs> right, He exactly. definitely had it turned into... Or he tried to release it in food. L.A. and then it killed eight neighbor's dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just, he just let it, it out the back door. He instantly ate a child, and he yeah. was like, huh, I don't know what happened <laughs> yeah. there. Weird that there's a loose bobcat oh, wow. in the neighborhood. Must have come up from the hills. How could this have happened to us? Yeah, the police are animal controls like knocking on doors like, hey, do you know anything about <laughs> No, uh, I don't know, man. That's crazy. A bobcat, you said? Who would own a bobcat? Wow. Why? How could this bobcat have done this to it must us? Must be one of those damn rock stars. Yeah. Yeah, every um Oh my god. Never mind. <laughs> so that's Hyacinth House. Uh let's get uh, now Crawling King Snake, the John Lee Hooker cover. I, I love that guitar line. That is sick. Um, the song is not, but it's a cool guitar. I like a guitar that sounds like it's kind of talking. Oh, have you ever heard of Peter Frampton? Uh, Peter Friesen. Oh, sorry. Yes, Peter Friesen. Yeah, you're thinking of yeah. someone else. Well, Peter Friesen's yeah, got I'm... this friend. His name is Talkbox PJ. <laughs> That's true. I'm friends Talk with Talkbox PJ. Yeah. Um, this song would be fine if Jim Morrison wasn't singing it. I kind of like how stupid his vocal performance is on this one. Yeah, this this is the part of the Rolling Stone review where I guess they were being, or they were assuming that the Doors were being self-aware by playing this song. Right. But no. I think that's I think that's way too generous for yeah, Rolling so. Stone. Why I, would they Why would they assume the Doors are self-aware ever? 
Yeah, I would say that they're very unaware of themselves. Uh, they have to be by playing this song. Possibly, like, look, the Rolling Stones previously to now were the least self-aware band I'd ever known of, and now the Doors easily take oh, the take the prize for least self-aware absolutely. band. It's wild how much, and even I love like Rayman Zarek and Robbie Krieger are great, but even at this point, I don't know that they would get how lame this blues album is. Well, and, stuff, and you know, like particularly since you had that quote about him thinking he was the greatest blues singer of all time, yeah. the right. least self-aware person of all time. Right. So this is fine. There's one of the even worse than the original slide solo. There's Robbie Krieger's maybe worst moment on this song to me, at least. Right here. Yeah, it's fine throughout the first half, and then he starts doing the thing. And I. It just sounds like he played a full solo, and then they chopped out a bunch of stuff in the middle and left the boring yeah. parts. It's very. It's a very strange solo idea. It's it's pretty pretty bad. Although their rhythm guitarist sounds great on this song, so good yeah. for him. All right, let's get to the Wasp parentheses Texas Radio and the Big Beat end parentheses. It's just one of those normal songs. Yeah, this all I could really think was huh mm-hmm. to this song. That's the only opinion I think I could come up with. I do love I love an organ like that. I'm never gonna not you know. But, but everything else about the song don't get me wrong everything about the song sucks except for that organ tone and now it's gone so does anything no there's a chorus here well I guess we'll wait till the chorus Hated all of that instrumentation. I was gonna say I actually kind of like that instrumental line, but then they make they sing that exact melody over it for the next chorus, and then I hate it that it's like they couldn't even come up with a melody. So. And 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 don't think that there's an audio thing where you know you can just hear the music instead of us talking. That's not the case. All of us are just in awe of how stupid and bad this song is, I think. <laughs> Here's the part where they're singing just that melody over the instrumental part. It just sounds so circusy to me. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah it I sounds circusy. That. That's, that's a good way. Well, let's get to by far the best the door song ever written Riders on the Storm. Do you think that? No. Oh. I think I that's think what some people think, though, right? Absolutely oh. sucks. I, Peter, I like I th- that they went and recorded a real thunderstorm for it. It's cute. Oh. No, that's actually just rain sticks that they made at summer camp. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, some people are doing the padding on their legs thing. I thought you were being genuine when you said that, Pete, and I was shocked. No. You really had me going. No, <laughs> you, I don't. I actually don't prank. dislike Riders on the Storm, but it's definitely not as great as I think a lot of people seem to think it is. This it, is what I would consider, I thought, 
like what people would think is like a quintessential Doors song, yeah. way more than L.A. Woman. But. It is absolutely. It, it's not. It, it's worth noting that this is the second song that is over seven minutes on the album. Yeah, actually, the first time they've done that, crazily. Yeah. They usually stick with one interminably long song on each album. Like, I kind of like the groove of it, I, I will not lie. Like a dog without a bone, an actor out alone, riders on the storm. His best vocal take on the album. Yes. His voice does sound nice. Let's see, I think Rayman Zarek was playing something interesting here. Uh, a Rhodes piano. There you go. It must be really inconvenient to be like a keyboardist like Rayman's there. Because, like, if you're a guitarist, you can have like seven guitars and that's not a problem. But when you get like 12 keyboards in the mix, right. it's like. You really are. Where, where do you have the room, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, you saw how much of a pain in the ass it was to bring that Rhodes piano into the Let It Be sessions, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it took like five days for them to get that shit set up. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And they had to bring it in a special little van. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, like, enjoy this or, like, really like this song, but this is probably the least mad I am this whole album. It's the least egregious song on the album. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I have no problem listening to this. Would I listen to it outside the context of this album? No. No. But, yeah. No, I I think Hyacinth House is the best song on the album. Oh, thanks, PJ. Yeah, I think this stinks, but... (laughs) I mean, that's fine. I, mean, no I don't problem. have, and I don't. I wish I had anything more interesting to say. I just don't think well, this is very and good. I think, I think that, it sounds like that's what it hap- sounds like a guy doing a parody of like a rock singer, where he's just like everything is supposed to sound so important and so monumental, but he's just saying nothing. He's Ooh. just like barely talking. He's just like you know, like there's a guy and he's here. <laughs> He's doing something. Oh, dude! Like, just Did Weird so Al just come boring. in on our chat? Ugh. No, but this keyboard You guys should crew. really try to have Weird Al on. If you got the context. This is a great piano solo. It's I, really I, the good. The piano great. Yeah. The piano is excellent, undeniably. It. Well, should we give our thoughts on Ellie Woman? PJ, oh. start it. Or Jake, why don't you start us off? Our guest. Your, your uh, a totally a totally unremarkable ending to a totally unremarkable band. <laughs> wow. Now this is I you have some history ish with LA Woman, right? I think you told me a while ago. You uh, I am do I think putting this too was, much weight on that anecdote? You, you know, I I don't I I know like when I had when I was like trying to listen to the doors when I was a yeah. kid. I, I know I had the first one because I had, you know, the hits. And then I know I had this one, too, and I, like, tried to listen to it. And it's just – it just does nothing for me. I don't get yeah. it. I don't understand it. Yeah. Um, I don't find it bad. Like, there's nothing, like, that offensively bad about it. It's just, like, nothing. It just yeah. sounds like nothing. I don't find it interesting at all. I don't want to listen to it. You know what's crazy? Would you like to – yeah. Oh, sorry. You go ahead, Pete. Mm. I was going to say, one of the last episodes you were on, not the last episodes, you were on our um, Pet Sounds episode where you said your father's opinion of Pet Sounds was that he doesn't understand it and that he has never really gotten it. <laughs> and I was just thinking of that 
parallel in that there are some people who this is their pet sounds and us being <laughs> like, I don't get it. It's bad. Yeah. That's like your dad saying that about pet sounds to us, you know? <laughs> but in, in, in this case, we're right. And the people <laughs> who think this is pet sounds is yes. wrong. That's the main difference. Yeah. Uh, Jake, would you like to give it a rating out of ten as an album? Uh, I mean, it's it's like a it's like a four out of ten. It's totally capable, but yeah. it's not good. Jake, a four is higher than I would have guessed you would have given it. I was gonna say three. I'm gonna but... say three. So <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Thanks, I I just think this album is so boring. Um, yeah. There, like I. Hyacinth House is the only song where I'm like, hey, not bad. And then the rest of them I'm like kind of annoyed by. Um, if not, well, what was the one? The blues standard that I liked was like, okay. Mm. Oh, yeah, been down so long. But it's also a blues standard by the doors. Mm-hmm. So it's not good, you know? Like, it's, I like the tone on a lot of the instruments, but that's like the highest compliment I can give it. Um, yeah. It's just a boring album, especially. After Morrison Hotel, which was like a surprisingly good album. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a three out of ten. Uh, disappointing. Sorry, Jim, your legacy is shitty. I just think boring is the yeah my number one take. Yeah. It's just boring. It's very boring. Yeah. I was just I was so disappointed with LA Woman and the yeah. doors. It's it's basically the same thing that happened with their debut album where I was like all jazzed up for it and felt like I was very open to it being fantastic and then it just ended up being kind of a shrug. Um and what's weird about The Doors, PJ, what I was realizing when we've gone through them is that every time we've gotten to an album that's supposed to be one of the good ones, like critically or yeah. just generally, those have been our least favorites, and then the ones that are not supposed to be very good have been the ones we like the most. It's like actually exactly that. And I I really don't even think we're being contrarian. It's just that we do not like the music on the ones that suppo- that are supposed to be good, and the music on the bad ones yeah. are is better music. Well, it, it, if I can use like, a term here that's uh, – you're not supposed to use a definition – or the word in the definition, but – the music on those albums that people love and like are critically acclaimed are it's very doorsy. And that's not I don't even good. know if I agree with that because Strange Days is extremely doorsy and yet it's probably their best album to me at least. Like Well, and I really love that record. And well, it's just and that they I, do all the things right that they don't do right on their other records. Okay, so. doorsy is wrong. Jim Morrisony. It's very <laughs> Morrisony, you know? Yeah, yeah. Where it's like th- this album reeks of Morrison and I do not care for yeah. it. I think it's the one where like the ones where the 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 reason people like those is because they're huge fans of Jim Morrison, I think. And they yeah. they love his like poetry and like his shitty attitude yeah. about life or whatever. And we don't like that. Um yeah. so we like the ones where it's like, oh fucking Krieger's killing it, you know, this album. Yeah. You know, he's writing all the great songs. So I think maybe that's it, but I I was thinking about that too after I listened to this, and I was like, I used to really like this album when I was like in early high school, and then like listening back, it's so underwhelming and so boring and so full of itself in a way where I just don't think that can be forgiven. Yeah, yeah. This is like, I mean, it's almost it almost reached like Rolling Stones levels. Except I, it doesn't bother me to I think not care about the Doors. Where at the Rolling Stones, it was like, shouldn't I be liking it? But 
like this is you know one of the more famous albums that I I don't get it all and actively think is is very very bad. So um, yeah, yeah, I think I I'm kind of also leaning towards like a three out of ten, man. It's because like especially I feel like I did not hate it as much listening to it this week. But then when you really go through song by song and kind of analyze each song individually, it I really only enjoy two songs, yeah. which is rough, yeah. really rough. I agree with that. I was listening to it last night uh, while playing video games, and <laughs> I, like, the first half, I was like, this is just inoffensive, dumb guy blues music. Yeah. And then the second half, I actively really did not like... And now, like, listening to it closely, I'm like, actually, that first half is also stupid. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Well, and it's it's such it, – it's very convenient on a 10-album – or, sorry, a 10-song album where it's like you can quantify two of them are good, and then, like, the rest of them can each have a tenth of a point. You get three out of ten, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so that's L.A. Woman. Uh, maybe be the lowest except for waiting for the sun probably the lowest rating we've given a doors yeah album so well huh. waiting for the sun is dog shit it is a bad bad album yeah waiting for the sun is much worse than this so by, oh by far um let's check on that real quick actually i'm curious is waiting on the sun Soft the last one you gave before they two waiting on the sun's their third album waiting for the sun we gave twos. okay yeah that sounds right and then the debut we gave sixes. So yeah, this is definitely the worst. Okay. So after they this have... album comes Never out. Mind. Sorry, Jake, go ahead. Do they have six records? Yep. Okay. Uh, and it pretty much goes good one, bad one, or bad one, good one, bad one, good one, bad one, good one. Bad one. <laughs> Wait, no. All right. I don't know. Whatever. It's yeah, they that's alternate. Right. Uh so after recording L.A. Woman, Jim decides he's leaving L.A. and leaving the country that spurned him for showing his dick on stage. Uh, so he decides to move to Isn't Paris. Isn't that similar to girlfriend. what Roland Polanski, Ro- Roman Polanski yeah, did? Yeah, basically, yeah. Hey. Uh, so he moves to Paris with his girlfriend, who we've talked about many times, Pamela. Uh, so they get an apartment in Paris. He shaves his beard. He, Thank you, Wikipedia, for tracking this. He loses weight. Thank God, Jim. Finally oh, God, because he was looking rough, weight. man. Uh, and went on long walks around the city, did some writing, was generally supposed to be kind of doing doing better. Uh, or at least however you quantify that um, for him. So supposedly, so this was in uh, like early 71. By July 1971, uh, let's see. He dies. So, oh man! Oh no! So, supposedly, there's there's a few different there's two different stories here. The we'll start with the what I would say is the generally agreed upon one, and then there's another yeah. story well, that's also real quick. Maybe how, how old was he? Real. Pretty young, oh, right? He was 27 years old. Yeah. Damn. Oh shit! That's the same age that Robert Johnson was. Right. Huh. But it's weird because Janis huh. Joplin and Alan Wilson were born the same year, and they were both 27 when they died. But Jim Morrison was born a different year, and also, so I don't, I don't no. know if they're connected. I don't know. It's weird. Nobody. Knows I don't really right. understand it yet. But well, everyone was born in the same year, the year of our Lord. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and we just wait to be birthed in yeah. a different year but uh, that's interesting we spiritually so we're, like we're all in the born. matrix sacks but just waiting or something we gotta make it yeah, past 27 I mean, if the lord sees fit yeah and the creek don't rise <laughs> all right 
So supposedly the night of July 3rd, 1971, he and Pam did heroin together. Classic. Classic night. July, Classic. Uh, you know, the night before Independence Day, he's like, look, <laughs> let me. The Classic night after stuff Bastille to do with Day. Your wife. Yeah. Wait, is Bastille Day the first or second of July? I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. I'm a patriot, You're the Francophile so. of the group here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the one who's fucking obsessed with Paris. <laughs> so, and he overdoses. Uh, Pam put him in a warm bath to help him whatever but he died so the official cause of death was heart failure uh but there was no autopsy so the assumed cause of death was odine on heroin Hmm. um i've been drowned in the bath because of the no autopsy thing are there conspiracy theories about his death there's so goddamn many we'll we'll get to this yeah okay so just like with alan wilson uh his bandmates did not initially believe that he was dead (laughs) Um, because they're like, oh, Jim's always up to some crazy shit. Uh, so they sent their manager. So like they didn't hear for like a few days after sent their manager to Paris to see what was really happening. And then, yeah, it wasn't officially announced for a few weeks. So, uh, so the other story that was like that the guy, at least who tells it swears up and down is true. So, and one of the kind of conspiracies, but, uh, so the manager of this club called the rock and roll circus in Paris said Jim hey, uh, that sounds would hang familiar. out there. Yeah, right? Would, would hang out there, and Jim came in that night looking for heroin. Uh, and he got some, bought some off a dealer who was in the club, and went to the bathroom to shoot up, uh, and OD'd in the bathroom and died. And this manager, like, swears that he was part of the group that went in there to check on him, saw him dead, was like, it was very disturbing, all this. Um, so, and then the idea or the, the theory there is that the dealer moved his body to his house so that they would cover their asses for, you know, selling him the heroin and everything. Which is not and unheard that's of Pam. Because when Janis Joplin died, there was that thing where a bunch of, or like somebody took all of the heroin and drug stuff out of her room because right. that was like exactly. a thing you did at the time. Yeah. So, and then, so they, yeah, so they took him to his house and then Pam like came home from somewhere at that morning and, and found him there. So that's the other kind of maybe true story, but uh, a couple of conspiracies. First, the like more potentially real one is that he was like sort of maybe purposefully killed. So Marianne Faithful's boyfriend at the time <laughs> was Jim's drug dealer. Oh, of um, course. Makes but sense. unclear whether this is the same drug dealer who would have been at Rock and Roll Circus. So kind of confusing. Uh, but she claims that he knowingly give, gave Jim like extra strong heroin and that's why he OD'd, but that's, you know, who the fuck knows. Um, and then the other conspiracy, the most conspiracy one that I found at least was that he faked his own death. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. So, that's the one. Yeah. And apparently, apparently he's Pam... in Home Alone. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. We'll get to I that in a second. Up. Holy shit. Uh, man, him in the first one, Trump in the second one. This is a great series of movies. Anyway, uh, so apparently Pam, like, refused to believe he was actually dead for a few days, which would make sense in terms of, like, grief and all that. And, like, but people use that as a theory of, like, no, he was actually alive and people just didn't believe her. And then apparently Robbie and Ray. Elvis is in Home Alone. Oh, okay. Supposedly, yeah. Well, he's also in that one movie with the bugs and the cool guys in suits. Ants. Men in Black. Bugs Life. Um, a bug and life. apparently Robbie and Ray would, like, joke about it in later years. Like, yeah, that's something Jim might do. But, like, obviously that would be crazy. So, I don't know. Yeah. 
So, and then also this brought up, uh, for me at least, the first time um, <clears throat> that we've talked about in this show, uh, the theory that like he and Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix were all uh, like setups by the CIA who wanted these yeah. culture musicians. This is the one know, I've to heard. To stop poisoning yeah. the youth of America. Uh, which either you're a person who believes that Alan Wilson is the reason that that's not true, <laughs> or you're a person who believes that Alan Wilson was also killed in order to make it seem less likely. You know what I mean? They're like, we yeah. need a not famous one so that people question it. Yeah. I mean, why would they kill Alan Wilson? He couldn't <clears throat> even get no bitches. It basically says <laughs> that's that on right. Wikipedia page. He didn't even fuck. So, <laughs> anyway. So, regardless, Jim died. He was buried in a cemetery in Paris, and his grave, as I think everyone really knows, has become like a beacon for hippie visitors ever since. So, yeah. it's always covered in flowers, and every moody teenager in the world wants to go. It's like it. Mecca for kids who for are doofuses. hippies and also cut themselves. Yeah. yeah. So, interestingly, so Pam... Uh, Pamela Corson also dies at the age of 27 a few years later in 1974. Uh, so, hmm, connected at all? Who knows? Uh, also, I think from a heroin overdose. Um, so maybe she, yeah, maybe uh, suicide. Who knows? You know That's, what I think might I have, have happened no is that basis everybody, that. <laughs> yeah, um, is that everybody in the 70s really liked heroin. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he... Wait, wasn't it? Where did I read that? Now I can't find the thing that she actually died from a heroin overdose. So take that with a grain. I read that on, um, I believe, on Wikipedia yesterday. Yeah, I thought that was real, but now I don't yeah, know where. That's, anyway. Yeah, that's accurate. Okay. So she was buried by her family as Pamela Corson Morrison, even though she never used Jim's last name during her life. What up? She was, yeah. She was named as Jim's heir in his will. Um, and after her death, her family argued that they were common law married so that they would get control of Jim's estate. Uh, so they had to go to a court in California to like argue this. The judge decided in their favor, even though two things. Wait, did they go to court and then they were like, hey, wait a second. We're waiting on Jim Morrison about that dick case. Whatever happened? Yeah, we can't. We can't settle this <laughs> yeah. until that shit's over. On that dick so, case. <laughs> so they win this case, even though... Jim and Pam had never applied for common law marriage, had never, like, there was zero proof they'd ever even, like, lived together that long, anything. And common law marriages weren't even recognized legally in California at the time. Ah. And still, for some reason, this judge was like, yeah, okay, sure, why not? So, yeah, so she is his common law wife, legally, after their deaths. <laughs> so, wow. good, good for her. Um, yeah. Yeah. So after Jim's death, uh, this is, you know, who else, where does this sound familiar from? After he dies, the rest of the band uh, keeps recording and puts out an album pretty much immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the Rolling Stones. Um, so apparently, like, Ray and Robbie had done interviews later where they're like, yeah, we realized that's, that seemed really insensitive. <laughs> it came out in October 1971, so like <laughs> three months after he died. A so, new Doors album uh, comes out, and the name of the album is Other Voices, and it's like all of them <laughs> without him on the cover. So it just makes it seem yeah. like they were waiting, you know. But yeah, yeah. So they realized later they were like, we realized that was really insensitive, and yes, like that was a bad album title and stuff. But they kind of said the Rolling Stones thing, where they were like, we were just like, we didn't know what else to do. Like obviously we weren't happy he died, and we were kind of in shock and and like grieving about it, but also. 
we were in the studio working on songs. So we're like, let's just keep working on songs. I get like, that. Yeah. yeah. So they finish it, and Electra's like, why the fuck not? Let's release that. Um, so they put it out, and uh, it's actually kind of good. We're not going to listen to it here, I don't think. But it's the the vocals are a weak point. Like none of them are great singers, but the music's pretty pretty great. And then the second album, though, they do they make a second one that comes out, I think, in 1972, the next year. Yeah, called Full Circle, and they actually score a hit uh, in Europe uh, with The Mosquito. So this is the only Doors like Billboard, or not Billboard, but like charting hit without Jim Morrison, and it's it's a humdinger, man. <laughs> No me moleste mosquito. Why don't you go? Who's singing? Krieger? This is, I believe, the uh, the raped day laborer character from Comtown singing on this song. Oh, yeah? yeah. Why don't you go home? Oh, boy. Ooh. Oh, boy. I don't know. They're all credited with writing it, so I'm not sure who's singing. I mean, come on. This is... Um, we should wait. I think after this part, it actually gets into like a very different instrumental part. It's kind of a long song. I don't know if they cut it down for a single, but... I mean, when you How when you're it? it's just five, jelling it's like five this, you long. gotta go. Whoa, this came out of nowhere. Yeah, right. And real quick, while we're waiting for a different part, look up Elvis Home this Alone. This is the different part. Yeah. And look at <laughs> the... Okay, well, I'm going to talk over it. Um, the guy that everybody says looks like Elvis that's in Home Alone looks more like either me or Al Borland <laughs> from fucking Home Improvement. He looks, that looks a nothing lot like, like Al Elvis. Borland. Yeah, that's pretty great. So, yeah, then they just jam out here. So, this was a fucking crazy song. Um, so, after this, Ray really wants to get more jazzy, uh, and Robbie and John Densmore want to keep playing rock music, so they just decide to split up. Um, later, Krieger said in some interview that if Ray was still, like, into playing, you know, that kind of music, they would have kept recording as The Doors for who knows how long. They didn't have a problem doing that, so. So, I have a no. question for you guys. If So, you know how, like... Queen tours with, um, Adam I think Lambert. Paul Rogers of Bad Company now. They did. Now it's Adam Lambert. Okay. Well, they yeah. you know they just get new singers who like try to like encompass <laughs> oh, the thing. Oh boy. Who would have done it for the Doors? Do you think? Oh my god. Who would they get now if Ray Manzarek was still alive to be their singer? Oh man, he is kind of a kind of an albatross. Like, there's not a lot of. Uh, I don't know how. Like, I think maybe. If he was into it, Father John Misty. That's not yeah. a bad call. He yeah, also said a lot like him. Josh Tillman that might be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He I is. I, I mean, I hear that. I I guess the reason I, I just uh, didn't think of that like is. you like Father John Misty. He's, <laughs> so, he's such a better songwriter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's not a bad yeah. comp, but I'm like, why do I like Father John Misty? And then I realized, oh, it's because he's really good at writing music. No, and yeah, and that's the big terrible. difference. But yeah. I feel like if they like wanted to get somebody, their number one get would be Josh Tillman. Honestly, if the Doors 
came out right now, and I know like half of them are dead, but if they like came out at at a festival and with Josh Tillman, um, fifty percent of the audience would just think it was uh, it was Jim Morrison. Yeah. Like he he's very handsome. He looks kind of similar. He's also probably weighs like hundred and ten pounds. Like most people would just yeah. be like, "Oh my god, he's back!" Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, apparently Val Kilmer was incredible because, like, the he... the guys from the Doors apparently are like on record being like, "We don't know which parts was were Val and which parts they used Jim's vocals." Oh, in that's movie, interesting. Because he sounded no, so he, good. He encompasses, so. like, I've never seen a biopic where somebody is so accurate, but then yeah. everybody surrounding is not <laughs> at all. Because yeah. who plays uh, Rayman's Eric? It's the guy Kyle from McLaughlin. Twin Peaks. Kyle yeah. McLaughlin. Al Borland. And he, One of the he great does... actors ever, but yeah, that's not but a good But not character. a good man's Eric. Yeah. Um, but like Val right. Kilmer is a very good... Um, yeah. yeah. I'm going to so send you a we're, picture in the let's, link here. The last... Are you sending us a picture of Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison? No, no, no. I'm sending you a picture of Josh Tillman who oh, looks exactly yeah. like goddamn... I mean, if you yeah. put Jim Morrison, that guy yeah, out there, there sure. most people would just think it was Jim Morrison. <laughs> exactly, yeah. 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 And then he'd do a better job. Oh, he'd be so much so, better. So the final album credited to the band, technically it's it's a Jim Morrison album with music by The Doors. I don't know why they did that, I guess, because he's dead, so they can't really just say it's a Doors album. But anyway, uh, so the final album, though, credited to them, came out in 1978, and it was uh, the band taking a bunch of spoken word stuff Jim had recorded in, like, 1969 and 1970, uh, and they added music underneath and released it. In so, American yeah. Let's hear a little bit of American Prayer. I don't really know what to expect, to be honest. Is everybody in? I didn't know it was live stuff. I thought it was stuff in a studio he did. That's wild. I think for the most part it is. Interesting. This is the opening track. All right. It's the called Awake. That's kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's this is called exists. Ghost Song. <laughs> well, this is too scary. Turn it off, PJ. Turn <laughs> it off. Sounds like a door song. If Jim was still alive, I would have, I would have assumed that that was a real snake. But now I know Awake. it's just maracas. But Jim would bring a snake <laughs> into the studio. Shake dreams from your hair, my pretty child, my sweet one. Choose the day and choose the sign of your day. The no, day okay. no. So this is absolutely it was a pretty polarizing record, even at the time. Paul Rothschild <laughs> called it a quote rape of Jim's art. <laughs> Um, oh, wow, that's and strong then, words. but then others were like, "No, that actually sounds like something Jim would have enjoyed." So, <laughs> who knows? It was. Um, speaking of Wikipedia being shit, Wikipedia makes sure to note that it was the only Doors album to be nominated for a spoken word Grammy. <laughs> Neat. Cool. No, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> the spoken uh, word Grammy is the funniest Grammy because that's the one they always just give to whoever the most famous guy who read his audiobook was. Like, yeah, Obama has or, a spoken word Grammy. Yeah. Or Jim Morrison yeah. at way after his death. Yeah. So, uh, so that is the the career of Jim Morrison even after his death. We uh, let's get 
let's get a little Jake. You're obviously welcome to jump in here, but I'm just thinking for me and PJ, like what are what are our thoughts about Jim Morrison overall as an artist over his whole career? Well, I gotta. And we're about I, to get to rating him on his 27ness, so yeah. we can ruminate on that as well. I gotta, I gotta say, uh, I gotta front load this. My least favorite member of the Doors. Yeah, like by a lot. <laughs> by a long shot. Yeah. Um, he like there are some songs like Jake was uh, saying at the beginning where it's like, oh, this is a good song, and then he starts doing his thing, and it's like, never mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens more often than not so like i can understand if you're like a huge jim morrison fanatic why you'd be like i love the doors like because of his personality and all that and i love his dumb stupid poetry bullshit um because the instrumentation is great and if you're like if you jive with fucking jim morrison and his weird attitude about things uh then i get it i just don't anymore because i'm not 16 and having an existential crisis um so, you know, Jim Morrison, hilarious that he lived on a roof. Um, pretty funny that he, not funny that he pulled his dick out on stage, but. It's, I mean, it's pretty funny. The rest of that story, very funny. funny. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, I think all the middle stuff is kind of boring. Um, it's kind of funny that he thought there was a fire in the studio and he was high on LSD and sprayed it with a fire extinguisher. That's a good bit. Um, yeah. I feel like I feel like Jim Morrison has brought us the most joy outside of the music on this podcast. Yes. Like Jimi Hendrix definitely has brought us the most joy in terms of the music. Yeah, but in just in terms of enjoying hearing stories about his life and times, yeah. Jim Morrison has been. Here's what I gotta say: I don't care about his art at all. But mm, his, yeah, right. like, him as a person, pretty funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I I really dug listening to the Doors uh, because, yeah. like you said, like one album's good, the next one's bad. One album's good, the next one's bad. But and that's the entire problem with Jim Morrison, I would say, rather than the Doors, is the inconsistencies. Because like, in each album, it's incredibly inconsistent, song from song. Like which one's good, which one's not good. And then as their career, we've seen it's the same thing where it's like good or like bad album, good album, bad album, good album, and like it just follows that pattern. And I think a lot of that was Jim Morrison. Like if they had somebody at the helm who was like maybe as poetic as people think Jim Morrison is, but had a better singer and like, wasn't as like weird and talking about lizards and mojo risings, then uh, I think it would have been fine. But yeah, I think Jim Morrison's kind of a tool. Yeah. It's such a weird one because like some of the Doors music I like legitimately really, really like. And yeah. so much of it though I really dislike. But it also feels like like I don't think there's a world where if they had a different singer, I would like the songs I like as much just because like he is yeah. so tied to their sound. Right. And it's just but it only hits for me like ten percent of the time. Exactly. So yeah. yeah. So it's, it's it's a tough hang going through the discography, but I could absolutely make like a fifteen song playlist that I would really enjoy. I agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and then they're also rough. Like once you said it, it was it was hard to not think about and really see kind of as true. But it's like they really are not that great of a band for how talented they are and for how great a lot of their music is. It's like they are one of the least talented bands we've heard. I think on our yeah. show. And like, just even in terms of writing like classic songs, are just not not that great. 
I agree. Um, yeah. And so it was, uh, yeah, it was a little tough, but tough hang might be the I guess, best way to have put it. Yeah. yeah. But it's also one of those things where like, I am absolutely glad that I now have heard all the doors music and can have an educated opinion on it instead of just assuming they suck because that's <laughs> what people say or whatever. So, yeah. So that was good, but. Jake, do you have any thoughts on Jim Morrison as a as a person? Um, I mean, I certainly agree that I don't think it, the band works without him, but I also yeah. don't really think the band works with him. So yeah, right. We're over two. Yeah, yeah. So, like Pete said, tough hang. What yeah. do we want to rate him out of twenty seven in terms of his twenty seven ness? So we're not we're not doing <laughs> our scale that we tried. We're not doing the dumb system. Good. No, we're just gonna rank it out of twenty seven. So and then we'll we'll try and agree on a number as close as we can get. If musicianship is not a part of it, if it's just attitude and legacy kind it's of just that 27 ness whatever he's that means he's a 26 or 27 for yeah, me yeah he's he is like he's high yeah. yes yeah. exactly yeah. he is the quintessential 27 club he's member which is crazy in, but true. you know there's some murals that leave out Janis Joplin or Jimi Hendrix he's in right. fucking he every has to be single in every one of them mm-hmm. i think the thing that really swings it too is that he has he has the most like following after his death in terms of like the Paris yes. grave and people just being really like not culty, but just like really obsessive about right. him. There are people who love stuff. Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin, right? They love them. They are not. Yeah. They don't make it their whole personality. Right. Being a fan of this person, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I think. I mean, I think probably at least one member should have a twenty-seven, and I think he's. I think he's. I, I feel like he's a twenty-seven. Out of he's 27. a twenty-seven. I think. Yeah. It's he is the twenty-seven. In the 27 club. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I think Kurt Cobain is the 27 in the 27 Well, hey, 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 Jake. We'll talk about that when we get to it. Yeah. All right. All right. I guess there can be more than one. I guess I'm just thinking there there has to be at least one. one. Yeah. There has to be at least one 27. He's very, he's the definitive 27 club, I think. Definitely. Yeah, which I think is right. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I yeah, he's obviously the least talented, but he's definitely the most known. And in terms of the 27 Club is like... that That's either, what you want. Yeah, you want somebody who's not very talented, but somebody that has a huge yeah. following and is like known very well. That's right. Because they didn't get old enough to get good, no. uh-huh. and they didn't get, you know... But they had a following. Well, that has been... The Doors Dudes, a six-week sub-podcast within the 27 Club. I don't think we're going to spend that much time with anyone else coming up, so enjoy it while it lasted, I guess. But, yeah. Uh, we're going to come at you next week with another member of the 27 Club. Surprise, surprise. You'll see who. And uh, thanks for joining us, Jake. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Jake. We'll see we'll you s- on the other side of that door. Oh, boy. We'll see you I at the crossroads, wait. my friend. Yeah. Always a joy. Always a pleasure to be here. Thank you, guys. And uh, thank you to the listeners. Yes, thank you to the listeners. Yeah, thank you, listeners. We appreciate you listening. This is the end. Beautiful prayer This is the end My only friend The end Of our elaborate plans The end Of everything
A Beach Boys Boys production.